Hi, welcome to On Investors Minds. I'm Tai Hui, the Chief Market Strategist for Asia Pacific at JP Morgan Asset Management. Thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time to learn about what's on top of investors' minds and what you can do about it. Now, one complaint I've been getting recently all the time from friends and family is that things are getting more expensive. My high-fat, high-sodium lunchbox has gone up by 8% in price compared to the end of last year. Those of you that went on holiday during the Christmas or Lunar New Year would have felt that flights and hotels are now much more expensive. So the question is, how can we inflation-proof our portfolio? In this episode, I'd like to discuss where we can generate income from financial assets so that we can at least match, if not outperform, inflation. As usual, we will have key summary takeaways at the end of this podcast. So three things I want to focus on today. Number one, using income to fight inflation. Number two, what are the sources of income? And number three, how to blend different types of financial assets to get the best effect. Now, in many economies across Asia Pacific, inflation is likely to still run hot in 2023. Borrowing the forecast from our investment bank research, inflation in Singapore and Australia could average 45 to 5% this year. Hong Kong, China and Taiwan could be a bit softer at 2 to 2.5%, but the risk is on the upside due to economic reopening and revenge spending by consumers and tourists. This inflation means your money is worth less over time. If you have a million dollars in cash with 5% inflation, you lose around $140 of purchasing power every morning. So we should really do something to offset this. The power of compounding also means this erosion will get worse over time. Now, the good news is that there are plenty of tools that can generate income we can use to protect our portfolio against inflation. We define income as a consistent, steady cash flow from financial assets. This could be the interest from your bank deposits or coupons when you invest in government or corporate bonds. This can also come from equities when companies pay investors a dividend. There are also alternative assets such as real estates or infrastructure that pay out income when they collect rents or fees. So let's start with fixed income. When a government or a company issue a bond, typically the bond would have a value of 100 with a specified maturity, for example, five years, and a specified coupon, say it's 5%. Governments or companies that are more credit worthy or with a lower chance of default usually pays a lower coupon. Companies with a higher risk of not paying you back could pay a higher coupon to attract investors. So, investing in these bonds is one way to generate a steady income stream. Bonds typically have a lower volatility than equities, and the cash flow from the coupon is more predictable. After last year's sharp correction, bond yields are pretty attractive once again. US government bond yields is now almost at 4% for 10-year bonds. Investment-grade corporate debt offers a yield of around 5%. High-yield bonds with a credit rating below investment grade can offer 8-10% to 10% in yields given their higher risk of default. Then we have companies that pay dividends. Companies often pay dividends out of their profits. Some companies are more consistent in doing so. This may be because their local tax system encouraged them to pay a high dividend, such as in Australia, or because of their shareholder structure, such as in Taiwan. Financial institutions, for example, banks in Hong Kong, Singapore, or China, are also often generous with their dividend policy. 
Some companies just make money but don't have a lot to invest in, so the cash from profit can be shared with their shareholders. Now, one difference between bond coupons and stock dividends is that bond coupons are well defined when the bond is issued, so there is a greater sense of certainty. But dividends are not fixed. This depends on the company's financial performance and the management's willingness to pay out to investors. So, when earnings are strong, investors can expect a stronger dividend growth. But if companies are not making money, they may choose to cut dividends or even not pay out at all. Alternative assets such as real estate and infrastructure are also possible sources of income. Often, their income payments to investors are linked to the rent and fees they collect, so there should be more stability over the long term, but not fixed like bonds. Moreover, rents and fees can often be linked to inflation, and this could be written into the contract or rents could be renegotiated regularly. So these assets can also act as a hedge against inflation. So, which of these sources of income is the best for investors? This question would depend on two things. First, it would be the investor's risk appetite and investment horizon. If an investor is more conservative, such as a retiree, then fixed income, especially government bonds and high-quality corporate debt, should play a bigger role, since these fixed income assets have a relatively lower volatility than equities. For investors with a greater tolerance for market volatility. High dividend stocks should play a larger role, since the long-term appreciation of stock price could add to overall return. Second, we need to be mindful of the macroeconomic backdrop. Going into 2023, we think that the U.S. and European economies will continue to decelerate and possibly go into a recession at some point. This could be challenging for global equities, but generally more positive for fixed income. Hence, we could construct a portfolio of fixed income assets such as government bonds and high-quality corporate credits. Complementing that would be high-dividend stocks focusing on more defensive sectors and high-quality companies. When the economic outlook of the U.S. improves later in the year, then we can gradually increase the allocation in equities. Overall, we believe a good way to prepare for uncertainties down the road would be a well-diversified portfolio. But this portfolio should not be static; instead, repositioned according to both monetary policy backdrop as well as incoming macroeconomic data. So, for this podcast, I think there are three key takeaways. Number one, inflation in Asia is likely to remain sticky, and we need to look for income to help inflation-proof our portfolios. Number two, we can't extract income not only from fixed-income assets. But also in high-dividend stocks and alternative assets such as real estates and infrastructure, each of their own characteristics and features. Number three, it is important to make use of all available assets to build a diversified income portfolio. The mix of assets depends on investors' objectives and risk appetite, as well as the prevailing economic environment. For now, we think the risk of weaker growth globally could call for more emphasis in high-quality fixed income. And more defensive high dividend stocks. Thanks for listening. If you've got any questions or comments, please reach out to your J.P. Morgan Asset Management client advisor. And if you enjoy this podcast, please share this with your friends and colleagues by rating and reviewing this podcast on your favorite platform. And don't forget to subscribe via Apple, Google, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so that you can be kept up to date every time when a new episode comes along. This content is intended for information only, based on assumptions in current market conditions, and are subject to change. 
no warranty of accuracy is given. This content does not contain sufficient information to support investment decisions. It is not to be construed as research, legal, regulatory, tax, accounting, or investment advice. Investments involve risks. Investors should seek professional advice or make an independent evaluation before investing. The value of investments and the income from them may fluctuate, including loss of capital. Past performance and yield are not indicative of current or future results. Forecasts and estimates may or may not come to pass. JP Morgan Asset Management is the asset management business of JP Morgan Chase and Company and its affiliates worldwide.